When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Final Furlong Podcast with Emma Kennedy is proudly brought to you by All About Sunday, the ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app and get involved today. All About Sunday, we love racing. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. Kaluki offer betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, with instant withdrawals and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kalugi also have betting pitches at tracks across the UK. Join us now at kalugisportsbook.co.uk. Great to have your company as we preview the weekend before Royal Ascot. Hopefully the opportunity to build up the tank, to fire all the guns, all the bullets for Royal Ascot 2022. Uh, Sandown, Chester and York will be the featured tracks for Saturday's Racing on ITV and we'll look at that in the company of Timeforms. Mark Milligan, welcome back to the show, my friend. Hello, it's good to be back once more and um, if you're a fan of competitive handicaps, then this weekend will be right up your street. We haven't got any of the really classy events because obviously we're saving all those for Royal Ascot next week, aren't we? But there's some competitive handicaps. We've got a, a listed race at Sandown. And let's be perfectly honest, there's going to be a winner in every race. <laughs> and hopefully, that's a winner tip by Mark Milligan. No pressure, son. No pressure whatsoever. But hopefully, that's going to be the case. Um, for Royal Ascot, we will have uh, trainer interviews. We will have Simon Holt, Ben Aiken, Andy Richmond, and Mr... Mark Milligan taking us through all of the action for Royal Ascot 2022. Peter Fornatal on the American Challengers. And we've already released our Jockey's View, Neil Callan on the Group 1s at Royal Ascot. So that's available for you right now on Spotify and all podcast apps. So Royal Ascot completely covered on the Final Forum podcast. Uh, Mark is taking care of the final two days, day uh, Friday and Saturday. Uh, and there's some really exciting racing to get stuck into with Mark on both of those days. Uh, they'll all be in separate shows. Simon Holt looking at day one, Ben Aiken day two, Andy Richmond day three, four and five, Mark Milligan. All will be available for you in separate individual shows for you to consume and enjoy. Right, we'll begin with the 140 at Sandown. And Kaluki Sportsbook goes seven to two. Yeah, let's just go with that pronunciation, shall we? Uh, Maplewood, 9-2. First time cheek pieces for Charlie Appleby and Adam Kirby. Uh, V-Site is the same price. Uh, Kaluki, you've got Rudimental Fives and Hamaki uh, for Manir and Swede on the flats uh, in the William Haggis, who's just 
continuing to bang in the winners. Uh, eight to one, uh, first time wind operation for this horse. Right, how did you break this race down then, Mark? Yeah, I think whenever you're starting to look at these kind of races, I think your starting point at the moment has always got to be with Charlie Appleby and William Haggis, hasn't it? Because they're the two trainers who have just dominated this flat season in the UK so far. And I thought Maplewood was interesting enough with the first-time cheap pieces, but without suggesting to me that he had tons in hand of the handicapper from a, a mark of 85. So I was more inclined to settle on Hamaki, to be honest. And like you say, it's a Munir and Swede, and we don't see their colours on the flat too often, do we? But what particularly attracted me to Hamaki was that he's had the full makeover for this race, if, if we call it that. Probably not particularly pleasant makeover for <laughs> Hamaki himself, having had a gelding operation and a wind operation on the off-season. He'd won two in a row last weekend, and then he finished seventh in a York handicap. I say last weekend, it was August. He won two in a row, Pontefract and Sandown, in August. He was then put away for a couple of months, and... He finished seventh to O Herbert's reign. I actually backed him that day, and I professed to be a little bit disappointed that he only finished seventh. But when we delve into that race, that's turned out to be one of the hottest handicaps that was run in the autumn last year. I think something like four of the first five home all won again next time. Ooh. So looks really, really strong. And I think with the couple of tweaks that Hamaki's had over the winter, he's really interesting. So, wind up, gelding operation for the son of Churchill. At two years of age, he gets a gelding operation. Oh, poor fella. Um, Tom Marquand on board. There's a lot to like. A lot to like, particularly when the formers worked out so well. Uh, I was intrigued by too tempting. I thought the step up and trip would help him after his second at Sandown. He just seems as though he couldn't quite quicken uh, the last day. But uh, Hamaki was on the shortlist, and you've swayed me, my son. Uh, the 215 at Coral is, once again, in Handicap Company. It's a 0 to 100 handicap. Uh, they will be paying four places, and Kaluki go 11 to 4 about James Francho and Sylvester D'Souza's encouraged. Uh, Ozo for Jamie Osborne, second start for them with Safi on board. Threes, Empire State of Mind for John Quinn and Jamie Spencer, 13 to 2, same price. Uh, about sheer rocks, actually slightly bigger uh, sevens with David Egan on board. Uh, two fifteen. How did you break this one down? Yeah, this was interesting for me because being a, a big fan of foreign racing, um, American racing, Dubai, Hong Kong in particular, the horse that intrigued me was Encouraged, who of course started life with Joseph O'Brien. He won for Joseph O'Brien at Tipperary in August, before then being sent to Hong Kong. He didn't cut a great deal of ice in Hong Kong, to be honest. So his owners brought him back over here to be trained by James Fanshawe, ran a couple of decent races, one on the all-weather at Kempton and another at Leicester when he was beaten just a neck. But then he's got it all together on his last two starts, winning at Suttle by a neck and Kempton by a head last time. And I like horses, as it's probably a little bit 
controversial here, but I like horses who don't win by very far in handicaps because it means the handicapper can't get a really good handle on them. So as a result, he's only gone up £6 since the first of those two wins encouraged. I think because he's not been winning by far, he'll remain a step ahead of a handicapper. Yeah, and even if you look back through his form, you'll see that when he did win at Tipperary, that was only by a length and a half. He never does it by that much. It's just a neck and a head in the two wins so far. But he doesn't exactly power clear of his rivals. And it can be uh, just, it's a natural thing with the the horse in question, but it's also just a great way of being able to disguise how good you actually are. Um, and it, it does then make things a little bit more tricky for the handicapper as well. So it's hard to get away from him. Uh, I know, Kaluki, you're telling me he was fours this morning. So he's been supported into 11 to four, and that's even before we recorded. So expect more support for Encouraged. Sylvester D'Souza and James Franshaw, who is a 90% runners to form percentage, according to the Racing Post. The 250 at Sandown over the Flying Five, the Scurry Stakes, listed race. And uh, Clive Cox has the favorite. Uh, Katara, even money. And looking through the field, you'd be a little bit disappointed if he didn't take this prize. Yeah, he's very, very hard to get away from, isn't he, in here, Katura. He does have to shoulder the £5 penalty, which makes things a little trickier. But when we look at official ratings, he's rating £10 and more ahead of his opposition. And at Haydock last time in the Group 2 Sandy Lane, he finished to El Caballo and he had a little bit of trouble there he was short of room in the final furlong I think he'd have been fighting it out for third place there with his stable companion Wings of War if he'd had a a better run through and that's properly good three-year-old sprint form as well Um, El Caballo will be heading to Royal Ascot for the Commonwealth Cup it's entirely possible the horse he beat there, Flaming Rib, will also head to the Commonwealth Cup. So you're looking Go Bears Go, fourth, he's going to go as well. Exactly. You're looking at a really, really strong Group 2 contest. And we've got Katara here dropping back into listed company. He'll be difficult to beat, I think. I was, when I went through the race, I was interested by Mitt Bahi of Roger Varian's because I think he's on the improve, but that wasn't a particularly strong race. He won at Hamilton last time. It only had four runners. The favourite Giza uh, Sub, is I think how That's you pronounce that? That's it, yeah. Um, he shaped very much as if he needed the run coming back from a layoff as well, so I'm not absolutely convinced of the strength of that form. Living the dream, he's been progressive, hasn't he, through the, the spring early summer and ran a good fifth in the dash at Epsom last time against older horses. He'll appreciate coming back against his own age group here, but like you said at the top there, Katura, he's just very, very difficult to get away from in here. Yeah, best thing to do is just keep it simple when you've got one like him, and I think that he is going to be very hard to beat. Uh, we'll switch to Chester, where Thunder Legend is the favourite for the one and only race that we're going to preview at the Great Track. Uh, nine to two, for that man, William Haggis, Stevie Donahue on board. Uh, Roman Dragon, Hugo Palmer, a second start for him. Fernie Norton on board, 6-1. to one. Ali's Dancer, Kevin Ryan and Kevin Stott, 7s. And Cowboy Justice for Jessica Harrington. 
doesn't bring him over for the fun of it. Uh, Alope de Vega out of a Champs Elysees mare is seven to one. All right, my man, what's your take? Yeah, interesting that you mentioned Cowboy Justice there because whenever trader comes over for this kind of race, I'll always zero in on them because I think say they're not just coming over for the air, are they? But what put me off here was the draw in stall 10. We all know how crucial over just about every distance the draw can be at Chester. And I think Shane Foley is going to have his work cut out there over this seven and a half furlong trip to, to charter some kind of passage on Cowboy Justice. So I basically concentrated on the low-drawn horses. And last week, um, if you cast your mind, I think it was last week, maybe in the week before, um, we spoke about Daniel and Claire Kubler's operation and how yes. good they've been and how they're embracing the technology of the sectionals and the stride data. And I was particularly interested in their outgate here. He's been running really well. He, he's got a win in two places to his name so far this season. He's got a perfect draw in stall two. And he's got man of the moment, Richard Kingscoat on board. Oi, oi. Now, big race jockey, Richard Kingscoat. I'm so pleased for Richard that he was able to, to keep the right. And then I'm pretty certain... Either of us would have won on Desert Crown in the Derby. But you see, that's the easy thing that you can say after the horse has gone and won. Such was the ease and the style in which he did it. But I'm delighted for him. And um, he's just going to go on to bigger and better things, you know. It. And that horse is going to be a massive, massive part of that as well this season. Um, so Outgate for Richard Kingsfield and Daniel and Claire Kubler. There was a lovely piece with both of them in the Racing Post. And we should try and talk to them on the podcast as well um, because I really like their approach. Uh, we switched to York. Hello, William Darby. Uh, we're talking about your track. Right, David Amara has uh, Anzo. Uh, full disclosure, I have no betting for this race. Um, with uh, Johnny Pete uh, claiming five. Uh, Boardman for Tim Easterby and David Allen. Uh, I'm sure is going to be up there as well. Uh, when I was going through this race and trying to unpick it uh, earlier on this morning and I won't I came down on, um, uh, by the time I, I'd, I'd fully broken the race down, and uh, first of all, aside from pulling my own hair out, uh, w with trying to remain, trying to remain sane as I, as I went through the, uh, the form, um, the horse that I came down on is not in the field wasn't declared in the end. I was like, you idiot. So <laughs> just to talk us through the 235, my man. Yeah, and I, like you, Emmett, kind of was pulling my hair out with this race because although we've only got nine runners, for me, this is the most competitive race of all the ones that we're going to look at. It's a 40 grand handicap and we've got nine podcast. runners. Yeah, nine runners, but every single one of them has got a chance, oh, I yeah. would say. Big time. Um, I expect, like, we haven't got betting at the moment. I expect Boardman will be favourite. Now, there's a very specific reason I wanted to take Boardman on in this spot here. And that's because if we cast our minds back 12 months, he won at York at the Dante meeting. He then won at Chester at the end of May. 
from that point onwards, he just lost his form completely. He looked a really progressive horse winning those two. And he just, for whatever reason, from June onwards, the wheels just fell off. And if we look at Boardman this year, he won at first on the 14th of May. Now, it was at the 14th of May last year when he won at York. Coincidence? Make up your own mind. He then won last time out at Chester on the 28th of May, which I think, if memory serves, is the same handicap that he won at the same time last year. So he's taken an almost identical route, basically, to this race. But I can't get away from the fact that after those two wins last year, he just completely lost his form. And is that going to happen again? And when we're dealing with a horse who's probably going to be two to one, five to two in that region, I, I wasn't really prepared to take the chance that he would continue on form, particularly as he's he's off a career high mark in this race. So I settled on a horse of Richard Fahey's called Maywake, who has been really progressive. He won on the his last two on the all weather last winter, November and December, both at Newcastle. But then he picks up after a five-month break and won again. And crucially, he won a 20-runner handicap over this course and distance. We mentioned a few weeks ago that is a tricky track and some horses don't handle it for whatever reason. So if you've got a horse that's already proven on the track and he's proven in a competitive handicap, I think that's probably the way that I will always go. And I thought there was plenty to like about Maywake's chances in here. And Oshinor, who you'll know very well from your time in Ireland, is a very, very good jockey. And he's recently come over to North Yorkshire to link up with Richard Fahey. And it could be a partnership that bears dividends in the next few months. Yeah, he's a class act. He is. Uh Betting's come through, by the way. Boardman fifteen to eight, taking that on all day long. Uh, Maywake five to one. So, fair, fair play to the team for compiling the odds as quickly as they could. Um, bear in mind, we're recording on Thursday. In case you're listening, going, what, why is the betting not up on Friday? Uh, that's why. So, Maywake five to one, and by the sounds of things, we're taking that. Uh, right, we'll go on to the three o five over a mile six. Uh, it's a listed race. And we've got without a fight uh, for Simon and Ed Crisford. Uh, it's going to be an intriguing race, this one, and how it uh, fully comes together is, is going to be very intriguing. Uh, Mandu was the, the horse that I was drawn to beforehand. Um, and uh, we have a horse who was well fancied for the Derby last year, the one that Frankie Dettori took over on. Um, and John Leeper, uh, Ryan Moore and Ed Dunlop. Uh, on board there, but uh, what do you make of, of Mandu? First time, uh, second run after a wind operation, Sean Levy and, and Brian Mean. Yeah, this is uh, it's a good race, isn't it? So it's a really good race, and there's some classy form represented, not least of all Mandu from his run behind Alasi last time in a listed contest at Ascot. And Alasi is a he's a classy operator. That was probably a career best 
from Mandoob there. My my one concern is that I think he very much had the run of the race that day. He led at, at what was just a really steady tempo and was allowed to wind it up. But then who's to say that won't happen again this time? It's entirely probable with a small field. But I just had a slight doubt over him. So I, I kind of wanted to look elsewhere. I had a good long look at John Leeper because I think there's still a good horse in there somewhere for all being a little bit disappointing. They tried him over two miles last time. I don't think he really got home over two miles. If we look at without a fight, we only have to go back a couple of starts to see without a fight beaten just ahead by Hookham to uh, Maidan and he then finished fifth um, sorry it wasn't fifth he finished twelfth sorry how um, dare you in... how dare you get something inaccurate <laughs> nobody ever gets anything inaccurate <laughs> I, I was looking at the distance he was beaten which is five and three quarter lengths he was twelfth but only beaten five and three quarter lengths by Shariar who's heading to Royal Ascot the Japanese train horse yes and he was third Arab Group 3 at Newbury last time. So to all intents and purposes, without a fight, should find this race much more to his liking in listed company. Having said all that, I'm not going to be with him either because I'm going to be with one who I think still holds plenty of latent potential, and that's Charlie Appleby's Kimari. Oi, oi. who won at Royal Ascot last year. He won the Queen's Vars over a mile and six. He then, he blew out badly a great voltager. This track last, um, in, in August of last year, that just worries me a touch because again, listeners will know we, we touched on this a few weeks ago, didn't we, with horses who, who have run badly at York can often run badly again there, but he ran so badly that day. I think he just wasn't right. I think he was presumably a miss. He put that behind him at Longchamp in a group two the next time, and he's finished three quarters of a length second to stable companion Manobo, who although Manobo didn't run that well in the Coronation Cup last time, I think he's still a good horse. I don't think Epson really suited him to be perfectly honest. It didn't, it didn't and then suit would, a lot of horses when you break it down. No, absolutely. And he was probably just a bit over the top by the time he was 13 and a half lengths behind Scope on his next start at Longchamp. He made one start at Maidan over the winter. He was beaten 12 lengths by Siskani. We didn't see him again after that. So I'm guessing there's a little, there's a bit of a pattern here with Kamari in that he can throw in the odd clunker and he's presumably quite a fragile horse. And that's why as a four-year-old, we just haven't seen him that often. He's only made seven starts, but I'm a big believer in Charlie Appleby bringing these horses right back to their best. I think it's interesting that William Buick goes to ride this one when he could have had options elsewhere. And I think there's still 
plenty of potential with Kamari. So in what is a, a really good and open-looking listed race, I'm going to side with him. That's enough for me. Uh, 130 is the price that we can get about Kamari right now. Um, started his career as, as a gelding, so obviously he was a little bit difficult to train, but he was terrific at Royal Ascot last year, and I think you made a very strong case for him. Um, I can't imagine that they would go back to York unless they felt, we feel as though this is a, a good opportunity, and last year was, was just all wrong. Uh, the market is headed by uh, Ingrid Thor for our final race, uh, four to one. Ryan Moore on board for Clive Cox and Harry three in the uh, three forty, and uh, Showtime Mahomes is a, an eight to one shot. What did you make of the the last race recovering uh, for the weekend? Uh, yeah, I, I I didn't really want to go with a favourite in a nineteen runner sprint handicap, but at the same time. I think this Ingratore is a really good horse. Beast. I think he's a he think he's a really good horse. He absolutely smashed up Harry Three last time at Newmarket, beat him by two and a quarter lengths, but he travelled like the wrath of God through that race and only had to be shaken up to record a comfortable success. These sprints at York more often than not tend to develop down the centre of the track. So I think his pitch in stall 11 is perfect here. I think a mark of 91 probably still underestimates him to quite a big degree. And I think if he if he gets any sort of looking running here, I think he just wins this. I'm of the same mindset. And uh, again, having gone through the form this morning, feeling like I was pulling my hair out, I was delighted that this fellow stayed in. Um, he just looks at he looks at every inch his dad in that he has the a really fine physical presence, but unlike his father, he's pure speed. You know, Churchill. Yeah, Churchill was a proper miler, ten furlong horse, and obviously you need speed for a mile. But this guy is a sprinter. Uh, this is exactly what this guy is, and uh, I'm really excited by him. Um, I don't see any reason why Harry Three would turn the form around, and not wanting to be boring, I. I I couldn't really uh, be that over-enamored with anything else in the race. Uh, before we get your best bet of the weekend, as we set ourselves up for, for a while, ask it, um, Analog's daughter became a somebody who had a, a huge impact on, on Twitter and social media. I don't think that the man himself actually realized. Uh, his name was Michael Rafferty. He He loved racing. He particularly loved... Uh, nostalgia and and going back on the history of racing um, and unfortunately he passed away in in the last 24 hours um, he he died in, in Drogheda in, in Ireland uh, he was only 61 he suffered with mental health issues and he talked about that but he was very honest and frank about it actually um, and I I appreciated that about him. I thought that that was something, you know, you and I are familiar with mental health and trying to combat it and, and deal with it in, in the best way that you possibly can. Um, but I, I admired the fact that he just came out and said it. And I, I admired the fact that he was as honest as he was. But it's still a terrible blow to see that he has passed away. 
it's um it's quite it's quite hard to put into words. We've lost um two very valued members of the the Twitter racing family in the last couple of weeks, and I think, as I said before, though, although we we never knew these people personally, through the power of social media and the power of the internet, you feel like you know these people, don't you? Oh yeah, and you feel it as the loss of a friend for all that the majority of people on Twitter will never have met Michael, but will be, will be feeling his loss almost as much as, as his close family and friends, I would think at this time. Yeah. There'll be so many people who followed him and are expecting the next, you know, the next racing nostalgia tweet or the next update. And it's just not going to be there. And it just like you and I met on Twitter um, yeah. the, the amount of people who contribute to this show as guests are people I've met on Twitter. That's the world that we're in now, and it's terrific. It, Twitter makes the world, social media in general, makes the world so much smaller uh, in, in terms of keeping in contact with uh, friends in America and Australia who, particularly during COVID, haven't seen for two years. Yet it feels like I saw them only yesterday. Um, and and that's the great thing about social media is that you can become friends with, with people and have a similar mindset and the sport can reach all of these new voices and uh, when racing trends for the right reasons that can attract fans to the sport as well and Royal Ascot's going to be a big part of that but he, he himself contributed so much he made people smile he made people reminisce he very much supported the historical aspects and the historical importance of horses and significant races, I think the best way that you can learn about racing is by digging into the past. The best way, if you're just getting into the sport and you're listening to Mark and I talk about the weekend as we're building up to Royal Ascot, I mean, Mark's an encyclopedia, like a walking encyclopedia when it comes to to um, racing history. And... Uh, I've done my best to dive into the history of it as much as possible, but my knowledge of the sport today was greatly enhanced by knowledge of the past, by looking into horses that were racing when I wasn't alive. Um, and and he was a he he played a massive hand in in promoting the sport in a really really great way. And it was lovely to see the McNeil family and others support him. But I'm I'm terribly sorry for for everybody who who knew michael i never had the the honor of meeting him but 61 is way too young in, in this day and age and look you don't know what someone's going through you don't know what is what is going on in someone else's mind you have no clue um it's impossible to tell how somebody is is handling life, how somebody can be smiling at you and looking like the world is fine. How many times have you heard that being said? Oh, they were fine. They were in great form. I, I met, met them the other day. And the worst happens. Just do your best to be kind. 
you know, and I don't say that in a patronizing way. You know, you do you. Live your life. Live your life in whatever way you see fit. But know that there are people out there who are fighting. They are they're fighting a, a battle, unfortunately, with themselves. And um it's uh it's tough. It's it's very tough and it's it's sad to see. So um the, the official announcement was that he, he passed away peacefully in Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital in Drogheda. And um, it was a lovely quote. He he trended on Twitter. And I think that was a, a lovely thing to see afterwards. But uh, one of the the quotes was, he was one of the most, one of the most humbling things is that he wants some of our silks to be buried alongside him. The McNeil family were saying. And talking about how gutted they were to lose him. Um, and uh, Brendan Powell said that he was a very intelligent man, not just with horse racing. I bet he could be grumpy, like we all can be at times. That's that's for sure. We're all we all get grumpy. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but there's no doubt that he had a heart of gold. We all had a chance to relive the past with what he gave us on Twitter. Uh, that's a beautiful way to say it, by the way. I love that. Uh, I spoke to him a few days before he went into hospital and he seemed to be in good spirits. It's very sad. I've met some of his family before and they're all really lovely people. And then he ended by saying, it's amazing to see that he was trending on Twitter within a few hours of the news of his death breaking. If only he could see it now, he wouldn't believe it. And having not met the man, I don't know, but I I suspect that is exactly the case. I I don't think he realised the impact that he had on the racing community and the racing world at all. So it was really well said by Brendan Powell. And the fact that he wanted his silks, the McNeil family silks, buried with him, just goes to show you the, the love that he had for, for them. And uh, obviously he was very closely associated with them. But Michael Rafferty, a.k.a. Analog's daughter on Twitter, God rest him. And if you're, if you're struggling, there are support systems out there. Um, Talk to a friend, make a phone call to Samaritans, talk to somebody anonymously. You don't have to go through that on your own. Um, And if you think that there is someone in your life who is going through a difficult time mentally, talk to them. Just reach out to them. That's all you can do. All you can do is just send a WhatsApp, make a call, but it it can change things and it can mean the world. All right, my friend. Um, give us your best bet of the weekend. Oh, now then, on the spot. I didn't think when I started to go through all these races that my best bet of the weekend would come in a 19-runner sprint handicap. But that's where we're heading, the 340 at York. I'll stop short of saying he's a GH in a H. Oh, group horse and handicap. No. <laughs> But he may not be far off that level by the end of the season. We know that there's not a great deal between sprint handicappers and the group race sprinters who are playing their trade at, at the top level. So he could make his way to that sort of table. So in the 340, for me, uh, York, Ingratore. Basically, what you're saying is 
Solid moral, lads! Solid moral, <laughs> lads! Get stuck in! Have what you want on him! The Royal Ascot tanks going on in Gretar! In a 1900 handicap, gamble responsibly. Uh, I can't wait. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, he's one of my strongest oh, fans. Oh, lovely enthusiasm. Oh, let's go! Solid moral! Let's go, baby! Uh, okay, my friend. Uh, you are back with me on Monday to preview... Uh, days four and five of Royal Ascot. I have to keep reminding myself of that. Simon Holter will be with me on Sunday evening as we do day one, so that'll come out Sunday. And then Monday, they should be coming at you thick and fast. Uh, Final Forlum podcast with Andy Richmond, Ben Aiken, and uh, Mark McGillan all on the... Mark McGillan? That's the second time I've done that in the podcast. Mark Milligan. Milligan. Jesus. Somebody needs caffeine. And it's me. Um, so Mark will be with us for day four and five. Uh, ben is going to take care of day two, uh, day three with Andy and um, day one with Simon Holt. So really looking forward to it. Hopefully you enjoy that. Uh, we'll have some exclusive interviews for you as well. Uh, and I'm on TalkSport uh, tomorrow, Friday. So on air from the afternoon from one until uh, about half past three. And um we have a really good show for you lined up. Uh, we're doing live racing from Chepstow and we've got some great interviews and great conversations to have. So hopefully you can join us for that and lots of Final Forum podcast content coming your way, all with the view of building up to Royal Ascot. I cannot wait. Um, just as an aside, is there anything that we should know, Mark, that you really fancy on the opening three days? Do you know, I've not looked in that much depth but being a big fan of American racing as people who listen to the podcast and everyone who follows me on Twitter will know that you know I spent five or six years of my life as an American analyst for for time form I'm a huge Golden Pal fan in the King's Sun it's Golden Pal from America versus Nature Strip from Australia and I think the Americans absolutely smash up the Aussies here. Oh. Um, bearing in mind, we, are, we, are, we have got some Australian listeners as well here. So, oh, we so do. We might, lo- we might lose a few now. Now, it could very well be that there are Irish and British expats who are now living in Australia and they're giggling away to themselves going, ha, 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 ha. Or they're like um, some of my, two of my very good friends, uh, two of my best friends growing up, Bobo and, and Donald, are now living in Australia, and they would take great offence to what you just said. They've been living there for over 12 years, and they would be greatly offended by the fact that you're having a go at, at Australian racing. Uh, but most of the Irish and British that I know over in Oz are just like, no, I'm, I'm from the UK, or I'm from Ireland. No, 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 that's not how it goes. Oh, yeah, wind them up all you want. So um, wind them up, let them go, son. There, there are there are literally <laughs> thousands of people in Australia listening to the Final Front podcast, so uh, let us know. We'll get Moody on. We'll get Moody on the mic on the show and we'll find out what he he thinks of it. He'll just get into a war of words with you. Um, I I will say that Neil Callan, one of of his lines was, it's the Far East against the Far West. Uh, I really like that line. That that should just be the the line for both the King Stand and the Platinum Jubilee because at the head of the market, it is Australia against America on, on on both races. Um, they seem to. I, 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 honestly, sorry, I, I can't put into words how excited I am for this particular race because Nature Strip is one of the best 
sprinters that Australia has produced since probably Black Caviar, Jeez. Golden Pal. He's he's just an absolute speedball, and this will oh they will take no prisoners here. It will be well worth watching. This is going to be a cracking race, the King Stand. I can't wait for that. And then we've got Home Affairs against Campanelle. Um, so if you would like to hear uh, Peter Fornatel's thoughts on the American Raiders, not just Wesley Ward's, uh, but the entire American team that are coming over, we go through each horse uh, individually in uh, in chronological order. And uh, Pete's in tremendous form. That podcast will be out for you on Friday. And he's got some strong views. Does he agree with you on Golden Pal? I, I, I feel more confident if he does. You'll just have to listen to find out. But... Um, yeah, he's he's got a very strong view on that race. Is it in agreement with Mark? Is he against him? Well, there's only one thing you can do, and that's listen. Uh, right, until uh, Monday, my friend, when we go through days four and five of Royal Ascot. Uh, thank you so much, and uh, looking forward to chatting to you about Royal Ascot, and indeed breaking Royal Ascot down with you when when it's when it's done. Uh, but as always, my friend, uh, a pleasure. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure, and let's hope we just get a, a few quid in the tank ready for Royal Ascot to roll round on Tuesday. Not quite group force running in a sprint <laughs> Let's go! Uh, all right, Mick Shannon, get the job done. All right, be safe, be well. We'll chat to you very soon on the Final Forum Podcast. Take care, couples. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by our official syndicate partner, All About Sunday. The latest trainer to join our ranks is Donald McCain. To celebrate, we'll be having a Sunday and Final Furlong Podcast Owners Morning on Saturday, April 16th at Bankhouse Stables to see Raffles Capital and the €150,000 purchase, Invincible Power, the most expensive horse Sunday have ever bought. To join us, download the app or visit allaboutsunday.com. The ultimate racehorse ownership experience. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. Kaluki offer betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, with instant withdrawals and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kaluki also have betting pitches at tracks across the UK, including additional ones at Cheltenham. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk.